Alrighty, hello and welcome to the Couch Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Mike, and this is episode 13. Um, sorry in advance for my cat, she's going to be meowing for my attention a little bit, so I'm just going to have to get through that. Um, yeah, so last week was wild, we'll recap that real quick. Probably one of the, one of the craziest fight nights I've experienced, not in a good way. And then we'll go over this card. It's a pretty fire card, I would say. Fire! Oh my God, I'm I'm out of my mind. I mean, garbage card. It's a pretty garbage card, I would say, but it's not not as bad as next week's, which is somehow even worse. But luckily, we got a bunch of fights this week. Not just UFC. We've got Bellator. We twice. We've got PFL. We've got LFA. Um, I will. I will be posting uh, bets for pretty much all of those. Um, I won't be doing a video for any of them. I'll maybe run through the PFL ones at the end of this. I have I, I've broken down most of the fights, but not all of them. Um, but Bellator and all that, I don't have ready just yet. But I will be posting bets as the week goes on. And yeah, all right. So let's recap last week real quick, and then we'll get into it. <laughs> what's up, Kiarix? Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I can't with this fight. It's going to be such a weird one to break down. I was I was laughing that this is what my life has come to. Breaking down Dean Barry versus Mike Jackson. <sighs> Ridiculous. It's crazy because me and Mike Jackson have the same amount of pro MMA wins. Alright. Last week. Okay, yeah, last week was crazy. So on straight picks last week, we, went, we lost five units. Um... Vicente Luque, 2.1 units, was a miss. Kai Barayo, a 1.5 hit. Um, that was a sweat with that. The two disqualifications, I mean, almost disqualifications. I mean, what the fuck? And, like, the confusion and, like, how how was that not a DQ? I mean, I'm not complaining. I would have lost both those bets if it was a DQ. But, like, Peter Yan lost his title like that. So it doesn't really make any sense, but whatever. Uh, Beza, 1.7 loss. Should have stuck with my gut, but hindsight's 2020. Munir Lazez cashed easy. Um, 3.91 units total stake. Uh, Jesse Ronson, that was a terrible fucking bet on my part. I apologize for that one. One unit loss. Martin Budai, we hit five units. That was good. He won easy. I mean, it went exactly how I thought it would go. Uh, up against a fence with just tons and tons of knees and stuff. I mean, Chris Barnett at one point said his rib was broken or something. It was so. It's like you could also tell that he like him. He was for sure like juicing that knee. I mean, like yeah, I get it. The knee sucks, but like the second he found out he wasn't getting the DQ loss, he was like, "Let me fight, let me fight, let me fight." Like, <laughs> come on, bro. Um, let's see, Ogden versus Jordan Levitt. Personally, I thought Ogden won that fight, but to be honest. Should be making it more of a clear victory against someone like Levitt. The dude literally doesn't throw strikes. It's ridiculous. Um, Estelle Nunes losing to Sam Hughes lost me 3.5 units. You know, that was my fault for <laughs> trusting someone like Nunes with 3.5 units on her. I just really thought her striking was something, and it was for just about one round. And then Kevin Kroom, one unit, I mean. I would have bet a lot of money that... Um, what was his opponent's name again? I don't want to be a dick. That Alia Alatang, I would have bet a lot of money that he uh, would not have gotten a KO in the first minute. But that's what happened. He got a KO and we lost that one unit. But that's all right. And then, you know, we had a bunch of parlays that went okay. 
Um, one play that actually really saved us, well, that and the round robin helped a lot. I did a round robin with uh, Budai, Kianzad, Sabatini, um, Lazez, Ogden, and uh, Bueno Silva. And they all hit except for uh, Ogden, which was good for our round robin. And then um, our savior was, where is it? There it is. Devin Clark, round TKO round three. I hit for plus 2,300, 0.1 units to win... 2.3 units that's why if you ever look at my bet mma account i've always got plays like that because they're low risk and high reward if clark didn't get that ko i would have lost 0.1 units if and my night would have been significantly worse but clark did get it and it saved my night and i only risked 0.1 units on it so that was cool and yeah that's pretty much it for that and um yeah we'll go into this week i'll talk about the bets as we get there and uh let's see what happens so Cheers, as usual, started with the drink. <clears throat> All right. So, first off, we got Dean Barry versus Mike Jackson. Dean Barry is 4-1-0. and He's 29 years old, 5'10", and we do not have a reach on him. Uh, I, I do think I looked into it trying to find it, but I, I don't think I ever got a reach on him. Uh, I bet if if I pulled up a video of him on Fight Pass or some shit from um, Titan FC, it would probably have it. But let's see. Let's see if we can get it. Wish UFC would make this shit easier on us. So let's see. Dean Barry. All right. Okay, there it is. I'm glad I did this. All right, so Dean Barry's got a reach of 70.5 inches. <clears throat> so he's given up, let's see. He's given up four, almost four inches in reach, so that's something to think about as we go through this. And then Mike Jackson on the other side, he's 0-1-0. and uh, He's 37 years old, 6'2", 74-inch reach, and he's training at a four-ounce fight club. Oh, I don't think I said where uh, Dean Barry's training. Let me see what I got for him. Team Riano, according to his Instagram. That's what I got. Not um, familiar with it, but that's what I have. Jackson technically should be 1-1 one one in the UFC and as a pro. He did beat CM Punk. I think he popped for what, weed? Which is absurd to me. I go on this rant every time it, uh, somebody with a weed popping comes up because it's the most ridiculous thing ever to me. I mean, weed would make you a worse fighter, not a better one. I'm not sure why you would take someone's w for it if anything get give them something extra but <clears throat> yeah so this one's first of all dean barry shouldn't be a minus 1500 on any planet don't parlay that i'm a square and i parlayed him at minus 900 but i'm gonna be hedging the fuck out of that so but we'll talk about that in a second so in terms of you know fighting uh i guess we could start with the actual fighter dean barry um He's at least been fighting actively. He had a fight in 2021. He had a fight in 2020. Um, I'll pull it up right now. I'll pull up his opponents. But I know that he has terrible wrestling. Terrible, terrible, terrible wrestling defense. I mean, it's some of the worst I've ever seen. He gets taken down in every fight he has by regional guys who are horrible. Um, so Drew Lipton was his last fight. The guy is 630-0. and 0, And the guy took, took him down. All right? 
he might be worse than Mike Jackson, and he took him down. But he did get finished incredibly quickly. Um, and then Abdullah Al-Busheri, he also took him down. Um, he took him down like twice, I think, and he held him down for a little bit. And I believe he took his back too. So that wasn't good to see. Um, his one loss is by uh, rear, rear naked, so he can be finished there. And honestly, even striking, he's just not that good. He's like karate style or something. He's apparently got a kickboxing background, but I mean, he's he's like really not good. He bounces around. He uses his front kick a lot. He's got a decent right hand, decent one-two. Um, he likes his spinning karate shit, uh, which I'm not a big fan of. His hooks can get pretty sloppy. His combinations are pretty sloppy. He, and yeah, I mean, he's got decent lateral movement, but he's pretty hittable still. And I noticed his cardio isn't that great either. I mean, he was like tired by the end of round one in that fight where he got uh, extended in the grappling with um keep it's keep forgetting his name with uh, abdullah al-busheri <clears throat> he was he was gassed by the end but he did win that by knockout but it was a it was like a really sloppy hook that landed only because the other guy was pretty not great either but all right and then mike jackson <coughs> I got so smacked when I when it came to, came time to watch Mike Jackson versus CM Punk because you cannot do that sober. Um, wow, <laughs> it was it was fun. Honestly, it was fun. Um, on the feet, CM Punk made Mike Jackson look pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. His one two was actually <laughs> I can't even do this with a straight face. He had his one two was pretty clean. Um, he was relatively hittable, but he he looked like somebody who trained striking at least, you know. Whereas CM Punk looked like he didn't train at all and was just shooting the sloppiest, ugliest takedowns I've ever seen. You know, Jackson did some work on the feet. You know, he was moving his head well. He was putting together one twos. Uh, he he killed CM Punk on the feet. Um, you know, getting taken down by CM Punk that's an issue with me, but I don't think that's going to be a problem with Dean Barry. Uh, the thing is, I, I, I have, two, I have two questions. A, what happens if this gets out of round one? Is Dean Barry going to be exhausted? Because I feel like he might be exhausted, and if he is, then <laughs> can, Mike Jackson could maybe win this. I mean, on the feet, believe it or not, I, I feel like it's probably competitive. Um, maybe I'm not giving Dean Barry enough credit, but I feel like it's probably competitive on the feet, in my opinion. Um. Barry should be way better. I just, I'm not sure that he is. I'm not sure that he is. Um, and I am kind of expecting, if Jackson's smart, uh, he should grapple here. He's at, he's coming out of the same club, uh, fight club, fight camp as uh, Ike Villanueva. Let me double check real quick where that one is. I have it in my notes. Main Street Boxing and Muay Thai. I've seen both of them there on Instagram recently. And, you know, that's doesn't necessarily suggest that they're training <laughs> grappling so maybe he's not going to go in there and look for the sub but i am interested at in jackson by decision as a hedge and maybe i'm going to see how deep steep this line gets if people keep going crazy on dean barry for some reason i'll play mike jackson straight if not i'll probably do him by decision for like 0.125 units and that should return like half of my stake and what i have on barry so just just a small hedge maybe we'll see i'll figure it out definitely gonna hedge i just don't know how yet but because I, I i regret doing it i did it I, I made the parlay with dean barry alexander romanov and arichi lang 
for 2.2 units at like I think it was like minus 111 odds. And then we lost Romanov because Bozer dropped out. So now it's just Arichi Lang and um, <clears throat> Barry. So yeah, it's such it's like a high risk, lower reward parlay, and I'm sick to my stomach that that's what I'm left with. So I'm definitely gonna try to hedge out of that best I can, and still be, be try to keep um, try to flip a profit. But yeah, I'm not gonna spend much more time on that other than saying that this is gonna be more competitive than the odds suggest, and that's a really sad thing for Dean Barry. Fun story time. I've told this story before, but if anyone's curious of how Michael Jackson, Mike, Mike Jackson, got into the UFC, it's because he's boys with Sean Shelby from uh, the Fury FC days. I believe Sean Shelby used to work there as a VP or president or something, CEO. I don't know, some some big shot up in Fury FC, and Mike Jackson does the video or like media stuff over there. So that's how he knew him. And I guess when CM Punk needed a terrible opponent, he suggested the guy. <laughs> from Fury FC so all right so this next fight we got Marcin Prachnio versus Felipe Linz we got Prachnio 15 5 and 0 uh, he's 33 years old 6 foot 3 74 inch reach and he's training out of I didn't get, I don't didn't end up getting it Tatsujin okay I'm not sure that that's it so let's double check um, Felipe Linz trains at American Top Team, so that's on his side. And he's normally a heavyweight coming down to light heavyweight, so that's another thing to think about. <clears throat> Should have had this already prepared, I apologize. It's been a hectic week, especially with all these fight changes and everything. So many moving parts. Um, where's this fucking fight? Oh, it's not even up here. Okay. That's why I don't have it. I normally re rely on uh, the tape index for to get their Instagrams, but Prachnial is not up there just yet. Okay. So where's this fellow been training? Can't really tell. Jakarta, Indonesia? Yeah, he's in Indonesia training. I have no idea what he's doing there, but cool for him, I guess. He's in Jakarta, Indonesia. Um, <laughs> cool. <coughs> and on the other side, we got Felipe Linz, 14-5-0, plus 100 odds on him. Uh, he's six foot two, seventy-eight 78-inch reach, and he's training out of American Top Team. So let me pull that one up. Alright, so we got bo both of these guys are fighting at a switch stand, so that should make things interesting. Lin uh, leans to orthodox, but he does switch, and uh, Prachnia switches as well. Odds as of now are, let's check them out, because I did this a few days ago, so I think mine are different now. Alright, so Bet Online has Marcin Prachnia at minus 117 and Felipe Linz is at minus 103. But you can get him for plus 100 still. And that's the bet I have, but I'll talk about that soon. So, first thing to note, uh, Felipe Linz has given up one inch in height, but he has four inches in reach, which is I think is going to be important here. Um, the UFC experience advantage here goes to Prachnia, but they both have a pretty much the same amount of uh, 
professional fights. Felipe Lins did fight in the PFL. He did win the championship there, but that's really not much of an accomplishment, unfortunately. Um, maybe nowadays it's getting a little... I'd say their light heavyweight division's a little better. I don't. I actually don't recall... I believe he fought at light heavyweight there, but I don't remember. It could have been heavyweight. But either way, um, I don't think wrestling's going to be at play here, but... Linz does have a BJJ black belt and three subs on his record, but Prashnow has never been submitted. I really think this is going to be a striking fight, and that's why I do have Linz here. First off, that four-inch reach advantage is going to do wonders in a, in a striking battle between these two. Second, I was watching Prashnow. I watched all his fights because it really doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't take much time to watch all his UFC fights. Got knocked out three times in a row, and then got two, uh, two W's in a row against Khalil Roundtree and... Um, Ike Villanueva, who we're going to go over later. So, honestly, I, I went into this thinking I was going to lean Prashnow, but then I watched his Villanueva fight, and Ike was piecing him up. Ike hurt him multiple times. Ike had him against the fence. Ike had him ducking his head and swinging without looking. I mean, Ike had him hurt, and that's not a good thing. Ike has good boxing, but he's very one-dimensional. We'll talk about him later for his fight, but he doesn't give any looks. You, just, you know it's just hands, and... Prashnyao had a hard time dealing with it. And he he finished the fight in round two, but not even by striking Ike in the face, by hitting him in the body. So that didn't inspire a lot of confidence in me. And then, honestly, I felt that Halil could have finished him too. He gets hurt in pretty much every single fight. He's been knocked out by Sam Alvey, Mike Slow Rodriguez, Magomed Ankalaev. That's forgivable, so I'm not really going to bring that up. But I just... I feel like he's too sloppy. He's pretty damn hittable. He ducks his head down when he swings his punches, which is like a huge mistake. You're leaving yourself with no defense. Just overreaching completely. Not a good look. And I think Linz is a little bit underrated, to be honest. We give him a ton of hate because he doesn't <laughs> never shows up. And he got sparked by Tanner Bozer and lost Arlovsky after all that hype from PFL. And... Honestly, I think his striking is pretty damn good, actually. I, I like his striking a lot. I think his jab is good. I think his combinations are good. I think that he sits into his jab really well. I think he's got a good one, too. He's got very fast hands, and he's got a great hook. Um, he does need to move his head a little more, but I still think he's got the better striking defense here than does uh, Marcin Prachnyau. Linz puts forward a good, decent, um, a decent forward pressure, and... I feel like he should be able to break Prachnia over a few rounds. Honestly, I do think he KOs him. Uh, I don't see a reason to bet that, though. At plus 100, I'm happy to just take Linz. Maybe I'll look at round three or something, or something of that sort, see what I can get for a juicy prop. But I like Felipe Linz' money line for two units. Plus 100 sounds good to me. I think he's better on the feet. I don't think this goes to the ground. And if it does, I think that... I'm not even sure who takes it there. Prachnyau takes it there, I guess. But then I think Linz will get up. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be on the feet for as long as it lasts. And it might not last long. I'm curious what the fight doesn't go is on this. <clears throat> Minus 215. I would have set it higher, honestly. I would have thought like minus 300 or something. But yeah, so my pick is Felipe Linz there. I think it's going to be a striking fight, and I think that in a striking battle, Felipe Linz is the better guy. All right, this next one's pretty good. 
We got Arichi Lang. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm trying to do what the broadcast did because I'm. I feel like with a lot of the Chinese fighters, no one really knows the placement of their names other than them and their fellow countrymen who know better. Um, I I always mess it up. I feel like Weili Zhang has like two different ways to say it, and I constantly feel like I'm saying their names backwards, and I feel bad. But I'm gonna go with Arichi Lang because that's what the broadcast team was saying. And on the other side, we got Cameron Else. So Arichi Lang is 20, 11, and 0. He's 28 years old, uh, five foot seven. He's got a 69 and a half inch reach, and he's training at a 10th Planet Jiu Jitsu right now over in Vegas. And Cameron Else on the other side is 10, 5, and 0. He is 30 years old. He's five foot, um, five foot nine, and he's got a 71 inch reach. So he's got two inches of height, and he's got just about one and a half inches of reach. And he is training at a syndicate MMA. So this one's interesting. Elsa has only been in the UFC for one other fight. He fought on Fight Island, I think it was 2020, against Kyler Phillips, a guy who I am a huge fan of. I think I think Kyler's so good. He 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 messed up in that Paiva fight and hurt his own traje- trajectory a little bit, but he'll, he'll come back. So that was a tough debut for Cameron Elsa, honestly. So I can't even blame him. And I went into this fight curious about possibly taking him as a dog because he did good work on the regional scene. Uh, he has a submission win over Patty the Batty back in the day. But I was looking at it, and and the comparison of how he was on against regional guys and how he is against better guys is it's it's night and day. I mean, when he's fighting nobodies, he looks great. He's got pretty good striking, good one twos, good combinations. Um. Uh, he he, he kind of hold his holds his hands very square, um, similar to Rauch Manfio fighting in PFL. He just holds his hands very square, and it leaves your guard open to get beat up a little bit. Uh, pulling up his wins from before the UFC, so you know he's beating guys who are oh one and oh three three and fourteen, and when he fights any kind of winning record, he's losing. Demo Whedon, 9-7-0 in 2017, beat him. Ed Arthur, 6-1-0 in 2016. But those are all a while ago. So he does have that going for him. It's just he's beating nobodies. He hasn't shown anything too crazy. He has a really good grappling, but he doesn't have any wrestling to take it there. He doesn't, he doesn't wrestle. I haven't seen him wrestle on any of his tape, really. Usually it's him getting shot on, and then he goes for his uh, submissions. He's got a lot of, uh, he likes that front choke, the guillotine choke, but the anaconda, that's what he hit against Patty, but he's just not taking it there, so I, I'm not sure how much that's going to help him. Um, Arichi Lang does have two def- uh, two BJJ losses, but two submission losses, I mean, but I just don't think that Elsa is going to be getting it down there. I think it's much more likely that Arichi Lang takes him down, and then the question is, you know, if he's sloppy, can he get caught in a darts or a guillotine? Yeah, he can. I just don't think he will. He is going up to 135 here, so that it is going to be a question of how does he look, how strong is he. I think he's going to look pretty good. He's he's pretty damn big for a flyweight, so I don't think it's a stretch for him to come up to bantamweight. He's bigger than TJ Laramie, who fought at featherweight last week. So, And I feel like Arichi Lang is just better everywhere. We've seen him in two pretty close fights so far. Uh, he had his Cody Durden fight that I thought he won. And Durden and fucking racist. Uh, that, that was a mess. If you haven't heard it, uh, Durden in his per- post-fight victory speech said he wanted to send him back to China. 
so I was really hyped when Mahaya fucked up Jared, and that was cool. But then, um, before that, he had a war with uh, Jeff Molina. I think it was UFC 261 when fans first finally came back, and the stadium was just charged up, and we had war after war. I remember uh, we had an- another girl, a woman from China, I forget her name, fighting Ariane Carnalosi, and that was a war, too. And Arichi Lang, he brought it to, to Molina, who's very talented himself. Um, he won round one, in my opinion. He's got intense forward pressure. He cuts the cage very well. He's got good striking. He puts together good combinations. He, he's got a good, strong jab. Um, overall, good power. And you, you can really tell when he's striking. You could see it. He's a bit flat-footed, but I'm not sure how much that's going to matter with a grappler like Elsay. Elsay has decent striking, but not when he's in the UFC, really. Um a lot of overhand rights, a lot of duck in his head, similar to Marcin Prachniow. It's just not much to like about Elsay at this level, I feel like. Um, Kyler Phillips really just had his way with him everywhere, on the ground, on the feet. And Arichi Lang, you know, on the ground, he he can he can hold him down. He got three minutes of control time against uh, Molina, which, you know, is, isn't a tremendous amount. But Molina's not a hard guy, to, uh, not an easy guy to hold down. Um, do I think he finishes Elsay? Maybe. I've seen a lot of people on the under, on the do- fight doesn't go. I don't hate that look. I think it's like minus two something, if I remember correctly. I'll pull it up real quick. Fight doesn't go is minus 195. I don't hate that, but it's not available on any books that I can use yet. <clears throat> it's just on five dimes in Betway. You could bet the under or over one and a half, which is very interesting. Minus 155 for over. I'm curious about that. I'm also eyeing... Uh, I'll be eyeing the the the, the lines all, uh, all night as we do this. And I'll keep you guys updated. I'm looking for Alexander Romanov and Chase Sherman to pop up. Because if Romanov's anything under minus 600, I'm probably going to hit the hammer on him. And go with like 10 units or something irresponsible. But... We'll see when that pops up. But yeah, my pick here is Arichi Lang. I think he's better on the feet. I think he's got the wrestling advantage. Um, Elsay probably has the BJJ advantage, but I'm not sure how much that's going to do from bottom. He, I don't think he has a single armbar victory. Uh, I'll double check right now, but I don't think he does. He has rear nakeds. I know he has an anaconda. I know he has a guillotine, but I don't think that he has... Yeah, no, no armbar, no armbars. So I, I, I'm not confident that he can do any work from bottom. And, yeah, I like Arichi Lang. So the way I've played him is not, I don't love it. I'm hoping maybe, it looks like money's coming in on um, Elsa. I hope it keeps going. If I can get Arichi Lang for under minus 200, I'll play him straight. But otherwise, I'm not really that interested in that. I do have that parlay with him and Dean Barry left. Uh, 2.2 units at minus 112. I will be hedging that with Mike Jackson in some shape or form. And then I've also got a parlay, technically two, with uh, Arichi Lang and uh, Tyson Pedro. One of them is for 0.7 units at minus 137. And the other one is for 0.8 units at minus 151 for a total stake of 1.5 units. Yeah, Kiarix, I agree. Max bet on Romanov. I I don't see any way Chase Sherman's win that wins that other than Romanov DQ. That's like the only thing I could think of. And last week showed us that's an entirely possible situation. So maybe <laughs> maybe we gotta be careful there. But can you can you imagine 
That would have been so disappointing if I lost five fucking units on Budai because of that knee. That would have been terrible. And I, I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. Romanov can get sloppy. I, I'm of the opinion that Romanov is slightly overrated, but I don't think that Chase Sherman is going to be the one to show that. <laughs> oh my goodness. <coughs> when Chase Sherman inevitably loses that fight, they should make Chase Sherman versus uh, Vandera. <laughs> Loser leaves town, even though they've cut Sherman like 17 times already. All right, this next fight, we got Tyson Pedro coming back from a long, long layoff versus Ike Villanueva. Pedro seven three and zero. He's thirty years old, six foot three, seventy nine inch reach, and he's training out of currently. Let me check. I have it on my notes. CMBT Training Center. <clears throat> I didn't see anyone I recognized in his uh, Instagram pictures. I know in the past he's trained with Mark Hunt. He's trained with uh, Tai Tuivasa, but I didn't see them at his camp. Now I could be incorrect, but I don't think he's over there with them. We haven't seen him since 2018 when he got finished by Shogun Rua, so it's hard to know how he's going to come back, but he should he should look pretty good. We'll talk about him in a second. And on the other side, we got Ike Villanueva. He's 18 and 13 and 0. He's 38 years old, 6 foot 1. He's got a 73-inch reach, and he's training out of the same camp as I mentioned earlier for Mike Jackson, Main Street Boxing. <laughs> Getting in work with Mike Jackson over there. So, first off, Ike's given up six inches in reach. He's given up two inches in height. Uh, Kiarix is saying it's crazy how Corey Anderson versus Nemkov ended. It, Ten more seconds, it would have went to the scorecards. Yeah, that was nuts. And <laughs> I'm not going to complain much because I had a Nemkov ticket. So, I got saved by the bell big time. Um, that was crazy. And and then the Patricia, the Pitbull fight was also nuts. I honestly, I had money on McKee, and I, I thought that Pitbull won that fair and square. I was surprised that people had it the other way. I didn't I didn't really see how that was possible, but good for Pitbull. Anyways, um, yeah, this one's, this one's probably best not to bet on, but I am a degenerate, and I like juice, not juicy, I like chalky parlays, so I do have <laughs> plays with Pedro, but let's break it down first. So Ike, he's, I, I mentioned this earlier, he is just a boxer, that's it. He's nothing else, he's just a boxer. All he does is throw hands, he doesn't throw any kicks, he doesn't wrestle, he only, only boxes, which is fine, I guess, but it's not really going to do you wonders in terms of winning, like you're just not going to win often. He's been finished by Jordan Wright, he's been finished by Chase Sherman, neither of those guys are that good. I know we say that Jordan Wright is dangerous in the first round, I guess, I guess because he's athletic, but is he really that dangerous? <clears throat> we'll talk about him later. Um, you know, Villanueva has shown decent work. He pieced up Marcin Prachniel. He's got good cage, cage work. He d cuts off the cage well. He makes it small for his opponent so he can land. Um, he has that win over the, the horrible Vinicius Marrera, I believe is his name. Uh, he's just... I, I just feel like Ike is too one-dimensional. And he's giving up literally six inches in reach here and two inches in height. So he's going to have a really difficult time closing the distance on Pedro. And I think that Pedro's got really good striking himself. The guy's got a good one too. He keeps it, keeps his punches straight, which is, in my opinion, is one of the most important things you can do. Uh, he can rush in a bit much, which isn't great, but his kicks are very good. He uses w good leg kicks. 
And again, with a guy like Ike, who's one-dimensional, he's not even paying attention to his legs. I would be surprised if he even knows how to properly check a kick. So he can just Pedro can just go off on his legs. Pedro also has great uh, BJJ. He's got five submission wins. I was looking at the sub prop for him, but the books are all over it. It's like only plus 165. Uh, fight doesn't... Kiarix is saying fight doesn't go... It, Minus 200 on this seems like a crazy line based on Ike's UFC career so far. There's no way this line is minus 200, man. I think it's like minus 400, isn't it, for fight doesn't go? Let me double check. Yeah, fight doesn't go here is minus 400. Minus 200 would have been value. I would have played that for sure, but nah, it's minus 400, which honestly is still <laughs> probably value because there's just no way. There's just no way this this gets at goes to the scorecards. I don't see how that would happen. Um, I mean, <laughs> there's a way for everything in MMA, but this that's difficult to get to. I'm, I'm looking at the last time Ike has gone to decision. It was in 2017 against a 9-13 and 0 Matt Jones. Okay, before that, <clears throat> it was with a 12-11 and 0 Brandon Farron, and then before that. It would have to be in one of his early fights where there's no result listed whatsoever. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just not sure how that's gonna work out. Kiarix is saying he got that line on DraftKings today. I'm not even seeing it up on DraftKings just yet, but I don't know. If you did, good, good shit, man. That's a good line. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I think that Pedro's gonna win this everywhere. He's gonna be better on the feet. He's gonna be significantly better on the ground, without question. And he's going to be better on the cage. I think that if he's smart, he'll just take Ike down and finish him very quickly. He could strike with him if he wants. I'm just, I feel like Ike could hurt him on the feet. If he does close the distance and gets close, he does have fast hands and he is good at boxing. It's just that one dimensional aspect is a problem. Kiarx is saying he was thinking about the Jordan Wright fight. Yes, I agree with you there that minus 200 or so is pretty crazy for that fight too. I'm going to be looking at it myself. Because Jordan Wright and um, we'll talk about that soon. But um, that fight's coming up too. What a mess of a card that all these guys are on the same card. Ike, Prakniao, uh Wright. But yeah, I have Pedro winning this probably inside the distance. Not sure if it's going to be a KO or a sub. I'm leading sub honestly, but I'm not going to play any props. I've got Pedro on a few parlays. With uh, I'll, I'll read them off. I've got Pedro, Cop for a half unit, Pedro Andrade for a half unit, and then Pedro and Arichi Lang for 1.5 units total. And I don't think I'm going to play him any more than that, even though I do think he wins this fairly easy. It's hard to go crazy on a guy who hasn't fought since 2018. And I am kind of interested in an Ike by round one KO uh, hedge. If he does win this, I think it's by a lucky KO in round one by catching Pedro off, off uh, guard. The odds for that right now are, <clears throat> excuse me, Ike by KO in round one. You can get it for 1,000 and plus 1,050 on Bet Online. I'm going to wait and see what it pops up on the other books because sometimes they open higher than that. But either way, I'll probably hedge with a point one on there. This next fight, I actually don't have as much notes as I normally do because I broke it down. And then before I started doing my in-depth notes, I looked on DraftKings to make some lineups, and it said that Sergey Khandasko is out of it. 
out of the fight, which was weird, but because I didn't see it anywhere. And now it's reported that he's still fighting, so I don't know what DraftKings, what's wrong with DraftKings, but an intern will probably get fired. But let's break this one down. So we got Dwight Grant versus Sergey Handasko. Dwight Grant is 11, 4 and 0. He's 37 years old. He's six foot one, and he's got a 76 and a half inch reach. On the other side, Sergey is 27, 6 and 1. He is, I believe that's 29 years old, but I have a hard time seeing it. Yeah, 29 years old. <clears throat> he's six foot one with a 74 inch reach. And he is training out of, I couldn't get a camp, so I'm going to go with Fight Club number one, like it says on Tapology. And Grant is training over at AKA, but I couldn't get confirmation that he's still there because all of his Instagram posts are about video games now. So that's another thing to think about. <laughs> um, I, I, I get you can do two things at once, but not sure how much I love the Dwight Grant's gaming <laughs> instead of training, but hey, everybody likes to game. He's playing Elden Ring, which is at least a good choice, but anyways, back to fighting. Uh, let's see. So Grant's got the UFC uh, experience advantage here big time. He's got seven fights in the UFC to Sergey's two. Uh, the competition difference def advantage definitely goes to Dwight Grant. Uh, not that he's faced anyone too crazy, but he's fought Francisco Trinaldo, Steven Sekulich, not really a flex. And that was too close for comfort. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez, that was crazy. He almost knocked him out and then got finished himself. Uh, Alan Jaban, decent decent fighter. Carlo Pedersoli Jr., not so much. Zach Otto, eh. Tyler Hill, not so much. But for Ser Sergey Kondasko, you have Rustam Habalov, who came up a weight class. I mean, Rustam's pretty good, so that's okay, uh, like forgivable. But his other fight against Rastam Achman, he won that one. Um, by decision, it was an okay fight. His striking looked pretty good, but pretty basic. I'm not that hyped for this fight. I feel like both of these guys are pretty basic, and I feel like the line was very accurate at minus 110 or wherever it opened. Um, I think this is as pick him as it can get. It's going to be super close on the feet. Both of them are pretty clean on the feet. I think that Grant probably carries more power, and Sergey's probably a little bit faster and a little crisper. Um, I think Gr Grant can get a little loopy, can get a little defensively irresponsible. Um, but o overall, I'd say he, he's de he definitely carries more power, and I am a little worried that he chin-checks Sergey, who hasn't fought in, what, two years as well. So that's definitely an issue. But I've got just one unit here on Sergey. I'm not extremely confident on either, uh, on either guy. I put point one, uh, 1.1 unit on Sergey. I think he probably wins a decision. I think he can outstrike Grant at distance. I do have one concern. I'm curious if Dwight Grant might decide to wrestle here. Uh, Sergey does have a 64% takedown defense, but he did get held down for 10 minutes against Rustam Habalov. There is a tremendous grappling difference between Rustam Habalov and Dwight Grant. But Dwight Grant is showing a decent amount of takedown attempts. Um, nothing too crazy, but... He is landing them with 100% accuracy, so that's another thing to consider. But he like he landed one on on Trinaldo and he couldn't hold him down for shit. He landed one on Sekulich and couldn't hold him down for shit. So I'm not exactly sure he's going to be wrestling uh, Sergey either. But yeah, I, I think that Sergey wins this on the feet. I don't have anything too in-depth here. A little bit of a boring breakdown, but 
I think that's one thing to keep an eye on is if uh, Dwight Grant does decide to wrestle. But yeah, I, I am not super prepared on this fight and I'm not super confident. Oh, this next one's such a mess. All right. Here we got Jordan Wright versus Mark Andre Barrialt. 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 Uh, Jordan Wright is 12 2 and 0. He's 30 years old. <clears throat> 6 foot 2 with a 77 inch reach. And he is still training at Dynamics MMA, I believe. I think that topology is correct there. And then Mark Andre Barrialt on the other side. He is 13 5 and 0. 32 years old, six foot one with a 73 inch reach training out of, he's at Sanford MMA, probably, probably my favorite camp right now. If you've listened to my show before, you know, I'm a really big fan of, uh, Sanford. They got really good striking over there. They train really well with the grappling. They've been putting out a lot of good products. I think very highly of that gym. And I, I, I like when fighters go there, um, for a little bit of a change up in their, in their training. So, Jordan Wright has a four-inch reach advantage here and a, a, a one-inch in height. He, Kiarix is saying the line flipped on this fight. Did Jordan Wright o open as a favorite? That would be stupid on the bookies' parts. Nah, he opened as the underdog, and he still is. Unless you're talking about a different fight, Kiarix. Unless you're talking about um, Grant and Sergey. That the line did flip there. But <clears throat> for here, Jordan Wright did open as the dog, and he's still the dog. Uh, money, a little bit of money came in on him, and then now he's coming back up a little bit. Money's coming back on Mark Andre. <coughs> Excuse me. Jordan Wright is the definition of a kill or be killed fighter. I want to go through his record with you guys. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's too good. He's never been to a decision, and he's been out of round one one time, and that was round two. <clears throat> gonna pull it up real quick excuse me so Bruno Silva round one he lost under two minutes Jamie Pickett finished him in just over one minute Joaquin Buckley finished him in round two and under 20 seconds in round two uh, Jordan Wright beat Ike in one and a half minutes he beat Gabriel Checo in just over five minutes on in, in LFA back in 2020 and on the contender series, Anthony Hernandez knocked him out in under a minute. He he did. It, it is a no contest because Hernandez popped for weed. But like I said before, I'm not counting that shit. So we're going to count that as a loss for Wright. Wright is do or die. Literally as do or die as it gets. He's either going to finish the guy in front of him or he's going to get finished himself. Now, my question is how that's going to look against a guy like Marc-Andre Barriot, who doesn't carry crazy power. Not necessarily a finisher himself. The guys who have finished Jordan Wright, Bruno Silva, finisher. Joaquin Buckley, finisher. Anthony Hernandez, eh, in between, I guess. I wouldn't say it's the best look to get knocked out by Anthony Hernandez. but And the guys he's beating, you know, it's pretty shitty competition. Villanueva and Pickett. And to be completely honest, I think that the Pickett fight could have gone very differently if he didn't 
if Pickett didn't have some of the worst fight IQ in the UFC. I mean, sometimes it's like Pickett's trying to see how stupid he could be in, in the octagon. The guy's got some of the best frame he, you can have as a fighter. Such good length, such good physique, and he doesn't even have a jab. So, I'm I'm not that I like. I'm not going to give that much credit to Wright for knocking out uh, Pickett with some elbows. I mean, Pickett's just a dummy He's in the octagon sometimes. Um, that said, Jordan Wright's got some good kicks. He uses a lot of them. He mixes up that body head kick. He's got a decent one too. He's got a little bit of a karate style, but I wouldn't really say call it karate. Just kind of the stance, the way he stands. Um, he carries good power, and he uses lots of knees in the clinch, and that's where he's found a lot of success. He low-key has five submission wins, which makes me wonder if that could maybe be live here, but Mar- uh, Mark has never been submitted in his, uh, what is it, in his um, 18 fights, so I wouldn't hold my breath there. Uh, and then Mark on the other side, he's... He's kind of the opposite of a finisher. He's in the UFC. I think he has what one finish against. Uh, no, he's got two finishes. He's got that finish over Oscar Pachota, and he has the finish over Abu Azaitar, and he got the decision win over Dalcha, and he got smoked by Chitty in one round. Now, Chitty and Jordan Wright have like nothing in common, but the things that, they have two things in common: their length slash size and their and their um, power. Jordan Wright's got that power and he's got that size. So, look, I don't really want to bet this because I think that Jordan can spark him in round one. But if it goes outside of that, Mark wins. I was looking for a way to bet Mark. I was thinking maybe parlay him with Pedro. Maybe just play him straight at minus 165. But I just don't want to. I feel, I don't think that highly of, of him. I feel like his striking is very basic. He's got a good right hand, but Mark misses a lot. He's got pretty solid, dirty boxing. I do like that. And we've seen pe- uh, B- Buckley found a good amount of success with Wright in uh, dirty boxing. That's where he hurt him. So that could be helpful. And he's got good work in the clinch as well. But I don't know if you want to be in the clinch with a guy like Wright who's just going to be throwing nonstop knees at your body, at your head. So not sure he wants to be in the clinch. Um, Wrestling could help here for Mark Andre Barriot, but I'm not sure that he is really going to do it. He's not much of a wrestler at all. Um, I think his takedown attempts, it's like under two, under three of them. Yeah, He's only completed two takedowns in the UFC, so I, I really don't think he's going to be wrestling here. I don't know who to give the striking advantage to, honestly. I, I think I give it to Mark, but not with a ton of confidence. This this is one eight hundred gambler, as uh, Wheezy and Brady say over on Stats Diggers. If you never watched that show, check it out, Fire Show. But <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't like. I don't. I don't think anyone should really bet either of these guys. There is one one look you could do that I'm on right now that I'll probably I might add to once the DraftKings lines open up for it. But Jordan Wright by KO in round one, you know, <laughs> first sprinkle. It's it's almost like silly not to because for a point one unit, point two units, you can almost cash out a unit, and it's like plus seven hundred on Bet Online. I'm kind of expecting it to open up higher on DraftKings. Um, yeah, QRX is saying the same thing. Right round one KO. I agree. It could be live. Barry Alt's coming off a KO loss just two months ago. He is indeed. Um, I'm not a big believer of the whole like you know you need six months to come back. I think some guys could 
don't need that amount of time, but I think it definitely helps. And, you know, if Wright is going to win, it's probably going to be in round one. Just my luck, Wright's going to lock in a round one submission instead. <laughs> but that's why we're only betting 0 0.1, 0 0.2 units on it. Right now, I just have 0.125 on Wright at uh, plus 700. And I'll probably be adding once the DraftKings line drops. I've been also considering doing a little bit on Mark by decision. It's like plus 230 across the books, but I'm just not sure if it's worth it cuz like you can do something like mark half a unit at plus 230 so you'd be cashing out what like just over just over a unit like 1.2 units and then Jordan Wright KO in round 1 you can cash out like say it stays at plus 700 you do 0.25 you can cash out like 1.4 units right so that could work I'm going to consider something like that maybe. I'll, i got to watch a little more tape again on these two. It's just I never thought highly of Mark either. So I'm not really looking for a reason to bet him. I think I'm going to be okay just keeping my sprinkle on right by KO in round one. And um, probably not going to be adding anything else to that. All right, and we're up to the main card. We got oh, not that many more fights left. What is it? One, two, three four five six all right that's a decent amount that's half the cards still left and some better fights i'm really hyped for this one in particular but quick drink break and i'll crack open open another another one and then we'll keep going a lot of stuttering today i apologize about that i'm not sure why Still working on not saying um all the time. I say like 20,000 times per stream. Alright. <clears throat> so we got Charles Jordan versus Lando Venata. Charles Jordan is 12, 4, and 1. <clears throat> He's 26 years old. He's 5 foot 9 with a 69 inch reach. And he's training out of, not Academy Pro Star, he's training out of, let's pull him up, where is he? It appears he's training a Brazilian top team right now, which I thought was a little bit funky, because I don't think he's Brazilian, but <clears throat> good for him, seems like a good camp, maybe he's trying to work on his grappling, Especially, he, he had that Ilya Tapuria fight lined up on short notice, maybe that made him think about becoming a better grappler, so he can compete at the top of the division. And that's not a bad idea at all. So if that's why he went there, good for him. Kiarix never heard Chael Sonnen say, um. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. <laughs> never really listened for it. Has he? Is that, are you being sarcastic? I don't know. Um, anyways, we got Charles Jordan versus uh, Lando Venata, right? I just went over Charles. And did I? All right, I'm going to do it one more time. 12-4-1. 26 years old, 5 foot 9, 61, 9 inch reach, training at a Brazilian top team. Lando Venata on the other side, he's 12, 5, and 2. 30 years old, 5 foot 9, 71 inch reach, and he is training at, Tapology has it right, Jackson's MMA. Um, there it is again. <laughs> so, this one I think experience is, is going to mean a lot, and a big issue here with Jordan is he's just. He's a little unreliable. You never know which Charles Jordan is going to show up. Are you going to get the warrior or are you going to get the guy who's half asleep? 
when he when he shows up as the warrior i mean it's hard it, it's hard to stand in front of him but when he shows up half asleep it's not really that good of an idea to have money on him but it's you can't know until the fight starts so jordan's literally been rotating on losses and wins and he has a draw mix in there so his last fight was against andre yule the first round was actually pretty close there closer than i remembered and then he ended up popping off on yule he had that cool spartan kick that was all over the place and the fight before that he got darst choked by julian arosa you know i mean it's not the worst thing arosa's good i i like arosa i bet on him often but Rosa's not necessarily a huge sub threat either, so that's not the best look. Um, Marcelo Rojo, that was an awesome fight, but again, that was too close. It shouldn't have been that close. Marcelo Rojo was on short notice. He's making his UFC debut, and it was close until like the third round when Jordan's like, "I, I need to. I'm gonna finish him. I want to be champion," and he finished him. That was sick. Then he had that Josh Coolabout draw, which was just atrocious. I had money on Jordan, and I was like, what the fuck? I thought he was going to lose for a sec. And then the Andre Feely fight, I had Andre Feely there, and uh, that went well for me. And I went with the experience angle there, and I think that the experience angle is still live here. Lando Venata is legit, you know. He, he's fought some of the best guys. <laughs> KRX is saying Chael never, never pauses when he's talking. It's an amazing skill. Yeah, that I know. And he talks incredibly fast, too. I, I know I talk pretty fast, but I don't think I have anything on Chael. Undefeated, undisputed, am I right? But, yeah, let's break down, let's break down this fight in terms of uh, some, some stats, huh? So, both of these guys have a decent amount of fights in the UFC. 7 for Jordan out of his 17 pro fights. 11 out of 19 for... Venata. Venata's got about two hours and 13 minutes in the UFC. Jordan's got about an hour and 36. Control time is similar. Venata's 3% for, 6% against. Jordan, 2% for, 5% against. That said, the competition difference there, I think, makes a difference. You got Lando Venata fighting guys like Bobby Green, um, Matt Frivola, Mark Diacasey, guys who can really grapple. Mike Grundy. <laughs> But then on the other side, you got Charles Jordan giving up control time to guys like Julian Arosa, Marcelo Rojo, Andre Feely. I believe Josh Kuhl about control them. He did. So that's not the best look. Will, will Venata grapple? It's not really what he does, but he can. His defensive grappling is really good. So I don't think that Jordan's going to get any takedowns on him. Not that Jordan's ever shot in the UFC. He hasn't. He has zero takedowns in the UFC. Um, but Venata can grapple too, and he has shot. He he's not the most accurate wrestler, but that's because it's not really his bread and butter. But he can do it, and I think it might be a really useful tool here if it gets too crazy on the feet against a guy like Jordan. I think that Jordan's got a really good output. He loads up on his hooks a bit too much, which can leave him open, especially with a guy like Venata, who's going to be moving a lot. He has very good lateral movement, and he's got a lot of going to have a lot of opportunities to land flush on Jordan in that way. Um, I think that Jordan mixes up the targets very well. I do like that. I like how he throws in the body shots. His, I, I feel like a lot of people do those the body shots kind of wrong. Like what, what's the point of a jab to the body where you like really lean and leave your head out like straight for for 
counters. I just I don't see how that's very good. And I feel like a jab to the body is not really going to do much damage either. But an uppercut to the body, that's a different story. Quicker, shorter distance, and in my opinion, more power. And he does those very well. He can get a little sloppy, but I'd say his striking is very solid. And I do think he's got the, the power advantage here. Now, on the other side, Venata, you know, like I said, very good lateral movement. He's throwing in really nice kicks. He fights very funky. He's got great hooks, a good jab, good one-two. I really like his combinations. I think he's got the faster hands here. And I really like how he mixes in the head kicks and the body kicks into his combo. So he'll throw punches, throw in a kick, and then cover it with more punches. He could do it opposite. He mixes it up. Gives lots of different looks. I think that's going to be really important here. And he's also got a three and a half inch reach advantage. So that's also pretty, a pretty smart, th- pretty good thing to consider. Uh, Kiarik's noting uh, that Venata fought Ferguson in his UFC debut. Yes, he did. And that was prime Ferguson indeed. I believe he lost that one. Yeah, he did. He lost by Darce. But uh, I actually don't remember that fight very well. I'm looking at the stats now. He got a knockdown on Ferguson though. That's good. That was 2016. He's been in the UFC now for what? Seven years? So he is the more experienced guy. Charles Jordan low-key BJJ black belt. Eight submission wins and only two sub losses. So that's something to think about. But then you... on. The, it's like the same story on the other side. Venata's got one sub loss, and that's Ferguson by that Darce in his UFC debut. And he's got five sub wins of his own. So I don't really think that BJJ is going to come into hand here. And I think that if we do grapple, it's going to be Venata who's grappling. It's actually funny. If you count amateur fights, it's actually Jordan with the experience advantage here. <laughs> he's got 10 amateur fights, 17 pro fights, so that makes 27 fights. And then Venata's got two amateur fights, 19 pro, so that's 21 fights. So, Jordan technically has the experience advantage, but come on. Venata's been fighting some top-notch competition in the UFC. I think it just really comes down to the fact that Venata's more well-rounded. I like his striking better. I think he's crisper and cleaner. I think he's more defensively sound. He moves out of the way very well. And Jordan's just too unreliable for me. I I, I can't go with a guy like that where I, I have... I'm going to end up having to hope in round three that he gets his shit together and just knocks out Venato. Like, I don't I don't want to hope for that. So I did end up going with Lando. I got him as an underdog. I really liked the line I got. I got, it, I got him at plus 123. I did tweet it out pretty much right away. So I hope whoever follows me on there got, got to see that and either played it or decided not to on their own terms. But you can still get him for plus 110 on DraftKings. I do like that. I... I I really think that's fair. I've been considering adding a unit. I don't know that I will. I'm trying to be a little conservative this week. It's such a shitty card, but it's 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 a close fight. But I do think that Lando's going to pull away with it. This one's really fun. This is a really fun fight. And then what do we got after? Got one, two, three. All right. I'm going to do a quick bathroom break right now, and then we're going to pop into these last four fights. And then I'll last five fights. And then I'll run through PFL real quick for anybody who wants to stay for that. So real quick, we're going to go to break for just a minute, I promise.
And I'm back. Was that even a minute? I bet you it wasn't. <clears throat> so, all right. These, this next fight is fun. And then uh, the other fights are not so much, honestly. But I guess the main event could be fun. Watching Romanov, Maul, Chase Sherman will be fun. But all right. So let's break out, break down this one, huh? So we got Sue Maderji versus Mono Cop. Uh, Maderji is 15, 4, and 0. Oh, he is 26 years old, very young guy. 5 foot 8, 72 inch reach. He's a very long guy for flightweight, flyweight. <clears throat> and he is not at Enbo. He is training out of American Top Team now, which is a great camp for a guy like him. Um, with his length, I think that going to grappling might might be a good move mixing in some grappling his striking is already pr pretty solid so that could be a good idea so att is a good camp for that and then on the other side cop 17 6 and 0 he's 28 years old 5 foot 5 68 inch reach and he's training out of extreme couture right now he's normally at aka but it appears that he's made a switch i don't know if it's temporary or or what but he is currently at Extreme Couture, which is a good camp and has had a lot of people going in there recently. So I'm sure it's a great place for him as well. <coughs> I apologize. So this one's really interesting, and I went into it really being interested in the underdog because Maderji is a very good fighter, and to get him for plus 150 or more, Seemed like a good deal at first, but then after going into it a little bit, I did end up on the cop side. So, both of these guys fight out of Southpaw. Cop will switch sometimes, but. Excuse me. Southpaw versus Southpaw matchup here, which can make things very interesting. Uh, cop, he's got four fights in the UFC. Maderji's also got four, which is very funny because. Not funny, very interesting because Maderji's been in the UFC longer than cop but cop's been much more active I'm pulling up their stats real quick for you guys yeah so cop made his debut in 2021 against pantosha then fought th three more times he hasn't fought in 2022 yet and then but neither has maderji he fought in 21 against adashev 2020 against gordon 19 against sukumtat and 18 against smolka so he's only fighting once a year is uh Maderji, which isn't great not a great thing i don't love that now another thing to, to think about is the competition difference i mean it, it's night and day the difference in competition you got a uh, cop coming in here making a debut against alexander pantoja and then fighting Mateus nicolau for a second one <clears throat> then he flying knee KOs ode osborne look ode osborne isn't a top-notch guy but i think ode osborne would beat Andre Sukumtat, I think Ode Osborne beats Smoka. I think Ode Osborne beats Malcolm Gordon. And I think that Ode Osborne beats Zeruk Adeshev. So I think it's still a decent opponent. And then same story with Zalgaz Zumagulov. I think the guy's legit. And I did have cop there, but I think that Zumagulov is a legit talent himself. Should have a win over Paiva. I'll never get over that robbery. But... <clears throat> I just think that the difference is it, it, it's big. And Maderji's competition, right? So first fight was against Smolka. That was his debut. He loses by armbar. Then he fights Andre Sukumtat. Also not that great. Malcolm Gordon. I mean, he's been having some success recently. He has two wins. But I just don't I don't think Gordon's very good at all. And then 
and you watch the way he lost there. It really looked like Gordon just didn't want to be here. He took some really light punches and just laid down. And then <clears throat> the fight against Adeshev was interesting, especially for this fight, because Adeshev is primarily a striker. So is Cop. I do think the Cop is a better striker, but that's why Adeshev provided some light, I would say, for this fight for me, because Adeshev was able to close the distance a few times. Particularly in round two, he was able to close the distance, and he had a good amount of success with his hooks, and he and against the fence. Cop can do that. Cop host throws tons of hooks, but he's clean with them. He keeps them straight for the most part. I mean, hooks by definition are not straight, but he's not like winging these punches. He's putting together good straight combinations, good one-two, very fast hands. He sits into that jab great. His output is too low. I don't like that. Um, Let's see. He's very accurate. He doesn't just throw one strike at a time, so that's important as well. His his striking defense is pretty solid. His defensive grappling has held up. He fought a guy like Zalgas. Um, I'm not sure that Zalgas even shot once, though. I don't think he did. I think they were striking for the, for the whole fight. Yeah, Zalgas didn't even shoot, so disregard that. But Nikolaou did shoot, but he only got two of nine takedowns. And Nikolaou is a good... good uh, grappler himself so I'd say that cop has pretty good takedown defense he did also spend time at aka I'm assuming he went there for grappling uh, cop is he used to be the the champion over at risen in Japan he beat Kyoji Haraguchi for the title if you don't know who Kyoji is you should watch his fights the dude is very talented he used to be in the UFC too for a short stint but um yeah, Cop, Cop does have a win over him. And then, so let's talk about Maderji a little bit. Uh, I really like his striking too. I think he's got very crisp striking himself. Lots of feints. I like the way he kicks. He uses his length very well. Um, a lot of the time you have guys, I mentioned this earlier, like Pickett, who have great length and just don't use it. That is not the case with Maderji. He does use his length really well. He's got a decent jab and he's got a good check right hook. And his striking defense is pretty good because of what I just said. He moves out of the sh out of the way of strikes very well. He'll land and then move out of the way. Now, that said, Zarouk did have success after closing the distance. So that's where I think Cop will have success as well. But worth noting, I try to be, you know, try to list downsides of both fighters. Cop does, he did get pieced up by Zalgas in the first three minutes, I would say. Like the first three minutes... Zalgas was out striking cop and Zalgas is not a striker at all. His striking is not that good. So that wasn't a great look. I didn't like that. But then once cop wakes up, it's like a diff completely different person. So that's the issue with him. It's it's his slow start. That's what cost him his first two fights. I mean, Pantoja might have beaten him anyways, but he could have beat Nicolau for sure. I mean, many of us think he beat Nicolau anyways. I had money on Nicolau, so I won't complain, but... And then, you know, he beat Osborne and Zalgas by KO, so there's no uh, denying those. Look, I think that Cop has the... I think he's got the speed advantage in his hands. I think he's got the strength advantage. Maderji's got the reach. Maderji's got the height. Maderji's got the lateral movement. He's younger. Um, and I'd say he's got the better striking defense. But I just feel like Cop is going to hit him hard. He's gonna make him. He's gonna give him something that he hasn't really faced in the UFC yet. Like he hasn't. Maderji hasn't fought anybody like Cop. Anybody who's really tested his chin, who's really tested his like 
his heart like he just hasn't had that yet so personally i i, I liked cop at this line i think it's a little steep at minus 175 that's where i saw it last he's actually even steeper now minus 180 best you can get is minus 170 on FanDuel. come back on Medergia plus 160 you know if you're looking for a dog and you're not convinced on cop plus 160 for Medergi, i don't hate it you know but i'm not gonna condone it when i have money on cop i have 1.5 units on cop at minus 162 and then i have cop parlayed or did i not do that i think i might not have done that no i did i have cop parlayed with tyson pedro at for minus 107 for another half unit so a total stake of two units I didn't want to go any deeper than that because I do think Maderji is live. I think he's talented, and I think he can win. I just think that it's more likely that Cop does. <sighs> this one, I, I, I placed a bet, and now I'm like doubting myself so much about it. We'll see if I hedge out or not. I probably won't, but all right. So quick nicotine break to get me through this shit. It's so whack going from a card like UFC 273 to cards like these. It's just rough. But, hey, we got 274 coming up soon, so that'll be fun. Chandler versus Ferguson, that's going to be sick. I, I got such a sick line on Chandler. I got him at minus 200 and minus 220 when that line first opened, so hype about that. But anyways, back to this fight. We got Macy Barber versus Montana De La Rosa. Macy Barber is 9-2-0. Oh. She's only 23 years old, which is ridiculous. She's younger than me, and I'm only 24. She's 5'5". She's got a 65-inch reach, and Macy is training out of... Let's see. I got it on my notes. Macy's training out of Rufus Sport, as far as I could tell. And then De La Rosa on the other side, 12-6-1. She's 27 years old, young herself, 5'7", so she's got a 2-inch height advantage. 68-inch reach, you got a 3-inch reach advantage. And she's training out of a fantastic camp, Elevation Fight Team. Um, she she is training with a former opponent of Barber, J.J. Aldrich. So that's another thing to think about. <clears throat> Kiarix is saying, I hope Chandler versus Ferguson isn't a sad fight like recent Tony fights. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. And I don't think it's going to be. Because think about it this way. who Who's Ferguson lost to in his last two? In the last three. So he got grapple fucked in his last two against Charles and Dariush. Chandler's not going to do either of those. He's not going to sub him. He's not going to give him sub threats. So that's not going to happen. And then uh, Gaethje fucked him up on the feet. But Gaethje fucked up Chandler on the feet too. So is it going to be close? It could be. I think that Ferguson's old and a little washed and a little crazy, but who knows? Who knows? I, I'm not going to be running to add more units at minus 350. I, I'll tell you that. I'm very happy with the line I got, but I'm going to need to rewatch the tape before I condone anyone betting that line at, at what it is now, but <laughs> we'll get there when it's time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So for this fight, I mean, this is pretty clear striker versus grappler, right? You got De La Rosa, who's a very good grappler. She doesn't have like a college base, base or anything, but she did wrestle in high school. I believe she was an All-American in high school, but I could be incorrect there. I forget where I got that from, and I wasn't able to substantiate it after looking into it again. But get this. She's got 17% control time for 4% against, and that's in eight fights 
in the UFC. That's a good sample size and a, and a very good number. And on the other side, Barber in seven UFC fights, she's 8% control time for 13% against. So it's something to consider. She's also, Barber's got a 66% takedown defense, which is pretty good. And she's fought decent wrestling competition, but I don't think she's fought anyone like De La Rosa. The closest I could think of looking at her record right now is maybe uh, maybe Jillian Robertson. JJ Aldrich isn't really much of a wrestler, and Barbara fucked her up. Maverick, Maverick won that fight. That was an absolute robbery, absolute robbery. I had money on Maverick, and she won that fight clear as day. But what can you do? Just pulled up the control time, though. Macy did out-control Maverick by a minute, if that really means anything to anybody. But yeah, this is really going to come down to, in my opinion, who's going to be able to enforce their game, right? So if Dela Rosa can get her grappling going, I think it's going to be very difficult for Barber. Um, Bar- Barber is decent at get-ups, but she can get stuck on on bottom a little bit. She has been controlled, like I said, 13% control time against, only 8% for. But she's she can wrestle as well. She's decent at wrestling. We've seen her get her own takedowns, and she doesn't seem like a fish out of water when it comes to grappling. And I'd say her striking's much better. She's got the better output, better combinations, uh, very good power. You can see it when she lands. Good jab. She'll mix in elbows. She she loops, loops her shots a bit a bit too much for me, but so does Montana De La Rosa. It's not like um, De La Rosa is going to be throwing one-twos down the pipe. That's not really her thing. She will mix it in a few strikes. She's decent at it, but nothing incredible. I think that on the feet, Barber will be better. I just think the grappling is going to be an issue for Barber. I, th- I think it's going to be something to look at and something to consider. I was very worried about it going into this fight. But, look... I think that Barbara should be able to keep it up. And if she does, I mean, I think she's just much, much better on the feet than De La Rosa. And I I think she pieces her up. Does she finish her? Probably not. Um, De La Rosa hasn't been KO'd in the UFC. Has she been KO'd ever even? I'm I'm not sure. I know she used to get a lot of... uh, She used to get underrated quite a bit because her husband was also a UFC fighter. And he kind of sucked and then got cut. I think his name was Mark De La Rosa. I don't remember. But he's not very good. <clears throat> yeah, so Montana has been finished in the past. Cynthia Calvillo finished her with punches in 2017. Um, and that's the only KO, TKO loss she has. So, But yeah, I think that Barber wins this on the feet. I think Montana wins it on the ground. I ended up going with Barber here, but I am not confident one bit. Um, I have just 1.88 units on Barber uh, money line. I got her at like minus 180, minus 188, I think. Let me double check. I got minus 188, and that's it though. I'm not going to add anything more to that. As it is, I'm a little worried, but I think she should be able to win. QRX saying saw a crazy stat: 18 of 21 WMMA fights have gone to decision this year, with only one KO finish. <clears throat> is that true who is the KO finish I don't even remember but yeah give me Macy Barber money line but I'm not extremely confident on that pick <laughs> okay 
This next one, I don't even have stats for it because it was literally made about like a half hour before I hopped on the stream. So I don't have any stats for you guys, but luckily I did do tape for Romanov before. And I've done plenty of tape on Chase Sherman recently, too much so that I still remember, unfortunately. But anyways... You've got Alexander Romanov, 15-0. <laughs> meatball? Who's the meatball? Romanov, he is a bit of a meatball. But, oh, Meatball McMahon, I'm weak. <laughs> Thought you were calling Romanov a meatball. Kiarix was talking about Meatball McMahon with the KO finish. That, I remember that. That was sick. And then she ran around with the fucking fake belt. <laughs> that was incredible. <laughs> but anyways... Romanov, 15 and 0, 31 years old, 6 foot 2, 75 inch reach, and he is training out of. Did I get it for him? No, I don't have anything for him. Let me double check for you guys. Like I said, I didn't have anything prepared because, as far as I knew, Romanov was out. Well, Bozer was out, and I didn't think Romanov was going to get a quick fight right away, but he did. Chase Sherman decided that his a new contract is worth getting his shit beaten out of him. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not seeing anything. He looks like he's still training in Moldova, so that camp is probably correct. Lion Comrade. And then Chase Sherman, it says American top team. Diberville. Let's see. I'm curious, when Chase got cut, did he stop training? Or did he keep training? Because that could make a difference. Is he coming right off the couch here? Not, I mean, does it really make a difference? Even at his peak, is he going to beat Alexander Romanov? No. Oh, does Chase even have an Instagram? I'm not sure that he does. Alright, we're going to go with what's on Tapology then. His uh, top team, Diberville. But alright, either way. I have some stats, I guess, on Romanov I can go over. Four four wins in the UFC, four fights, four wins. He's got 44 minutes in the cage, 50% um, control control time four, 0% uh, against, six submission wins. I'll say this, all right? I mean, I'll, I'll give some negatives on, on Romanov because he's not perfect, and I don't think he's like going to be a champion or anything like that. So first off, Romanov very well could have lost to Espino. I thought that he got lucky to get that decision. That's first off. Second off, his striking is not good. Not good striking. He got outstruck by uh, Rogerio de Lima. Uh, even Vandera was looking better than him at first on the feet. He he throws like these big kicks. He likes like funky shit. He just, his striking is just not very good. His punches aren't very good. And I'd say that his sub game isn't that great either he wins by ridiculous submission so he got that arm triangle on roke martinez all right the dude is not ufc caliber and he's not athletic at all uh he forearm choked the lima forearm meaning he literally just stuck his forearm in his on his neck when he was on top and just used his weight to win that fight he's a really big dude um <clears throat> it's just i don't i don't think he's that good at striking and i don't think he's some crazy sub threat he's just very very good at wrestling and his top control is very good and he's very heavy 
Chase Sherman on the other side. I'm going to be breaking it down. This is going. I'm going live breakdown here because, like I said, I didn't have time to look at this at all. So I, I need to look at how Chase's wrestling is because I don't remember. So Collier subbed Jake Sherman, right? Like, not one of the guys. All right, we got, starting from his debut, Justin Lede, striker, who actually outstruck him. <laughs> Walt Harris, not a wrestler. Rashad Coulter, uh, Damian Grabowski, Shamil Abdurakhimov, Justin Willis, Augusto Sakai, Ike Villanueva, Andre Arlovsky. None of those are wrestlers. Parker Porter took him down once. Jake Collier took him down. Yeah, Romanov's going to take him down and finish him on the ground. I, I, I don't have many doubts about it. I'm not going to waste anyone's time going over it. I have been actively refreshing best fight odds so I could get this line as soon as it drops because I know it's going to get steamrolled. As it is, it's not going to even open close. So it's going to be worth hopping in ASAP if, if you want that. But anyways, let's move on to our last two fights. This next one's really funky. Not really sure why they scheduled this, to be honest. I think we could have all lived without it, but we'll break it down anyways. So, here we got Clay Guida versus Claudio Puelas. Clay is 37, 21, and 0. He's 40 years old, 5'7", 70-inch reach, and he's training out of Elevation Fight Team according to Tapology, but that's wrong, I think. Yeah, that's wrong. He's at Team Alpha Male. And then Claudio Puelas, 11-2-0, 26 years old. He's a young up-and-comer, 5'11", 72-inch reach, and he's training out of Sanford MMA. Like I mentioned earlier, probably my favorite active camp other than Tiger Muay Thai. So, <clears throat> first thing to, <laughs> to mention is the elephant in the room, the experience advantage. Clay Guida has 6 hours and 15 minutes in the cage. 32 of his 55 professional fights are in the UFC. Meanwhile, Puelas has five fights in the UFC in only one hour and two minutes of cage time. Both of these guys are really good in control time positions. Puelas has 18% control time, 4. 4% against. Guida's got 16% control time, 4. 4 against. Um, both of these guys have really solid defensive grappling. Guida's got a 68% takedown defense, and he constantly pops back up when he's taken down same story with claudio he can be taken down he was taken down by uh levitt even grootsmacher took him down but didn't hold him down at all really i think he got like two minutes of control time but i think there was some fence in there too and they do count that um yeah that's that's one concern though puelas did get taken down by grootsmacher and he did get taken down by levitt so you know, that, that that could be live for Guida. Now, my thing is, I think that this might very well look like the Madsen fight in that both of these guys are m way more comfortable on the ground and will probably keep each other from taking it there. So, I think we're going to have a striking fight for the most part. And if that's the case, I think that Puelas wins this all day, right? He's four inches taller. He's got a two-inch reach advantage. He's 15 years younger. And... He, I think that he's just the better striker overall, even though he's not like an amazing striker by any means. He's got a good left hand, good kicks. His striking's slowly getting better each fight. He needs to throw his hands more. 
He's fo focusing too much on the kicks, and his output is way too low for me. His 1-2 is decent, but he needs to use his jab more. He holds a good high guard. Um, his his wrestling can get very sloppy. DC was shitting on him a lot in the Groot's Mocker fight, and rightfully so. Um, <clears throat> Kiarix bringing up Puella's submission here. Guida has 10 sub losses. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I have... I only have seven sub losses for Guido, I, but that that could be wrong. I, I I enter everything by hand, so that could be wrong. And Guido has five sub wins, but Puelas has never been submitted, and he has seven submission wins himself. I think it's live, but like, so who's submitted Guido, right? Jim Miller guillotined him. Oliveira guillotined him. Diago Tavares guillotined him. He got rear naked choked by Bermudez. Uh... You know, yeah, I, I think I think Puelas could be live for a sub. I, I took Puelas' money line because, look, if this is a striking battle like I think is going to happen, Guido went to a striking fight with Mark Matson, an Olympic wrestler, and lost to him. And I think that Puelas probably has slightly better striking than uh, Matson does. And I think that, like I was saying, like Kiarix mentioned, I think that the grappling is fairly even but i'd give the submission game itself probably to Puelas. i just think he's that guido's gonna be hard to take down one thing i'm a little worried about is the last thing i want is guido to go for takedowns and for Puelas to accept the bottom and you know play for playing guard i don't think he will it's not something he does but i guess it's one concern i have otherwise i'm not really sure how he loses right maybe he can get he gets exhausted from the pressure of Guida. You know, Guida doesn't stop moving. This is literally what he looks like, right? Like, it, non-stop, the guy just doesn't stop moving. Um, <clears throat> and that could be frustrating. If you're throwing strikes and everything's just fucking missing because this guy's moving his head like this, it could be it could be rough. It could tire you out. Uh, he's found a lot of su success lately. I think something that's giving a lot of people something to hang their hat on is the fact that he just submitted uh, Leonardo Santos. But I think it's important to think, talk about the fact that he got sparked at first by Santos. And Santos, in classic Santos fashion, blew his load too soon, got exhausted, and then got finished. Not surprising. He does that often. Doesn't often get finished, but he often gets exhausted. It, it looked a lot like... Um, it looked like a lot, a lot like... Uh, what fight was that? Anthony Fluffy Hernandez when he submitted Vieira. Very similar to that, I feel like. But, yeah, I, I have Puelas money line. I got him in a nice line. I got plus 120 for one unit. I wanted to add to it, but he's a favorite now, and I don't really feel comfortable doing that. You can still get a minus 105, minus 106, but I would have liked plus money if I was on a bit more on him. And, uh, let's see, Puelas by submission. What's that look like? Plus 450. You know, might be worth a quarter unit play. Something to look at. I'm going to note it on my watch list. I keep a watch list next to me because I have a terrible memory. So I look at it and then I check. But that's a line I want to look at. All right. And now we go to our main event. This should be pretty fun, I feel like. 
as long as it doesn't end up being a sloppy five rounder. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, we got Amanda Lemos versus Jessica Andrade. Lemos is 11, 1, and 1. 34 years old, 5 feet 4 inches tall, 65 inch reach. And on the other side, you got Jessica Andrade, 22, and 9, and 0. 30 years old, 5 foot 1, and with a 62 inch reach. So she's giving up 3 inches in height, 3 inches in reach, but. <clears throat> that's something that Andrade is used to. She's given up that in pretty much every single fight. I do not think she's ever been the taller woman. I'd be shocked. Um, I literally don't think there's anybody smaller than her. Maybe Hannah Cyphers, but even then. So, let me just pull everything up. All right, yeah. So, let's see. Where does Lemos train out of? She's at... I have her at the Marajo Brothers still, and then Andrade is at PRVT as far as I could tell, which is a pretty good Brazilian camp. We know them. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, this one came down to experience and grappling, right? So Lemos is great. She's very talented, and I think she's probably going to be a top contender and probably will eventually get a, a title shot. I just don't think it's going to happen off of a win from Jessica Andrade because I don't know if she's going to get that win. Um, if she gets the win, she might get a title shot. I just don't know that she gets the win. Uh, her fight against Angela Hill <clears throat> was classic Hill, classic Angela Hill. Close split decision loss. I mean, it, that woman can't catch a break. I thought she won that fight too, and I had Lemos, but I thought Hill won that fight. And rewatching it, I thought she won again. Hill took her down. Hill controlled her. All right, that that was the first thing that made me be like, all right, maybe I shouldn't be betting on Lemos. And then I looked at her her level of competition, right? Debut, Leslie Smith, she loses. All right, it's her debut. Miranda Granger beats her in 2019. Okay, rear naked, that's good. She beats Inua Mizuki in 2020. Okay. Has Mizuki even fought since? No, she's got two fights. Lavinia Souza, she beat her by KO. Then she KO'd uh, Montserrat. And then she got the split over Angela Hill. On the feet, there's a lot to like with Lemos. She's got really good striking, nice hooks, really nice uh, front kicks, carries tons of power, and you can obviously tell. Great one-two, uses her elbows very well, solid jab. Her output can be a little low. Um, but I guess w one thing going for her is that power, right? I mean, we saw Andrade get chin-checked by Wei Li. Wei Li's tough and strong, but she's not... You know, the strongest in the world. I'd say Lemos maybe has that kind of power. But, I don't know. I just feel like Andrade is very difficult to knock out. And just because it happened one time in 40 seconds doesn't mean anything. And I think that if Andrade and Whaley ran it back, I think that it would probably be a really different fight than the first one. Like, we're slowly learning that fights don't go the same way every time. Now, Lemos has given up 14% control time against, 11% for... She's had 30 minutes in the cage, in the UFC cage. Andrade, three hours and 16 minutes. Six fights for Lemos in the UFC. Andrade, I think, has like... Oh, I thought I had the number. Something ridiculous. I think it's 20. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, 20 fights. She's the first woman, I think. I remember them saying that stat, that she's the first woman to get to uh, 20 UFC fights, but... 
look, that's going to make a difference. It always makes a difference. UFC experience is very important. Um, Andrade herself, striking wise, you know, she's pretty. She's a pretty solid striker. It's just because she's so small, she's so hittable. Cynthia Calvillo was landing on her. Shukagian landed on her. But I think that Shukagian's a good fight to look at for this because similar striking style, similar length, uses those kicks as well. And Andrade was able to crowd her. If you can crowd the kicker, you don't give them room to kick. You take away that length. You crowd them against the fence. And all of a sudden, that reach doesn't matter anymore. Close that distance. It doesn't matter anymore. Um, Andrade, I like her striking too. She's got good hooks, good speed, great leg kicks. I would like if she used more straight punches. But I guess part of that is because of her very small stature. Probably very hard to reach with uh, straight strikes. Andrade, I mean, Lemos on the other side will be throwing straight strikes. But I think what's going to make the difference here is the wrestling of Andrade. She's a pretty solid wrestler. She's taken down a good amount of her opponents. Um, she took down Shikagian two times. She took down Rose once in their rematch. She took down Rose twice in their first fight. Um, she's uh, She's got good top control. She can do good work from there. And I, I just feel like she's she's going to have that to rely on, which is going to be really important. Lemos does have 87% takedown defense, but like I said before, she got taken down by Angela Hill. And not only that, but she also got reversed from it by Angela Hill when she ended up on top at first. Um, I think that it's going to be close, especially the first few rounds. But I think that over five, if it goes round four or five, I think that Andrade is going to run away with it. And I do like her to win. I got her, I think, at minus one... 75 yeah and i i put two and a half units and then another half unit on her and pedro um for a minus 113 but all right that's it i'm gonna break down pfl and go over my bets but i really need to pee real quick so (laughs) i'll be right back and then we can go over that So, we already broke down the card. I'll go over my bets real quick, and then I'll run through the PFL card because I have most of that done. And it's tomorrow, and it should be a good amount of fun. So, we'll pull that up. I'll run through it for you guys in a sec, the ones that I know. But, 
my picks first. So, Kiarix is saying our tapology community predictions and meme they show the opposite of the lines. No, I think I think what happens is that a lot of people are just trying to pump up their because if you have an account, you can get like points for your correct guesses. I think a lot of people aren't willing to watch the tape and they just want to collect their points, so they're just following everybody else. And I assume that's why a lot of the time we see, you know, if a line switches, it won't switch on topology because people are kind of just following each other into it. That's at least what the feel I get. But let's pull up my picks real quick. All right, so we've got for the straight bets, I've got Andraj 2.5 units, Puelas plus 121 unit, Barber minus 188, 1.88 units, uh, Cop minus 162, 1.5 units, Venata plus 124, 1 unit, um, Sergey Kandasko minus 110, 1.1 units, Felipe Linz plus 102 units, and then I got a few parlays, <laughs> Dean Barry. And Arishi Lang, 2.2 units. Cop um, <laughs> and Pedro, half a unit. Uh, Andraj, Pedro, half a unit. Arishi uh, Lang, Pedro, 1.5 units total. And then I have Jordan Wright by KO in round one for plus 700 at for uh, 0.125 units. And that's it. That's it for the UFC. And if you don't care for the pfl stuff feel free to just turn this off now (laughs) and i'll see you guys either tomorrow or for the fantasy show or next week for our next breakdowns but (coughs) for anyone staying for pfl let's run this real run through this real quick huh so let's see i'll start from the top i guess because i know most of them from the top so clay collard and jeremy stevens this one's really interesting right um, Jeremy Stevens coming straight out of the UFC. His last fight was Mateus Gamrot. He he got caught by the Kimura. Um, his striking is very solid. We saw him go to a close fight with uh, Calvin Cater until he got KO'd. Of course, maybe not that close. But look, I actually I, I was very into betting Collard here at first. I think that his striking is very good. He's got really good boxing, um, good movement. He moves out of the, the way of out of shots very well. My thing with him is that he looks like he tires out pretty quickly. In, in, in most of his fights in the PFL, it looked like by round three, he was kind of gassed. Kiarks, interested in betting PFL? Yeah, man. I mean, it's a bet- gambler's delight this weekend. We got tons and tons of fights to bet on. And hopefully we can pick some good spots. But yeah, so I guess one thing to talk about is uh, Clay does have does shoot sometimes. We haven't seen him get a tremendous amount of success with the takedowns, but that's one thing to think about. He's got a two-inch reach advantage, two inches in height. Um, <clears throat> I haven't played it yet. I've been eyeing it, eyeing it, eyeing it, eyeing it. It's at, I think the odds are like moving quite a bit now. He opened up as a dog. No, he opened up as a favorite, I think. Yeah, then he moved into a dog, and now he's moving back the other way. But you can still get Clay for plus 108, <clears throat> plus 110. Depends where you're going. Come back on Stevens. You can get him as low as minus 120 on DraftKings. If you like Stevens, that's not a bad line. But <clears throat> I lean Collard. I just don't have a bet there yet. 
Uh, this one's fun. Roush Manfield versus Don Madge. So Madge is going to be a quite quite a big bigger. He's got uh, what is that? Three inches, three inch height advantage, and Roush actually has the inch and in reach. And I've spoken about this before. I don't have recent stats for it, but if you ever read this book, Fightnomics, dope book, just very outdated. They had a th whole thing about how uh, height by itself isn't statistically an advantage if you don't have the reach. So maybe it's not much for Don Madge then. I went into this fight. I really wanted to bet Raouj. Defending champion. <clears throat> underdog all the way through to his title. Yeah, he got like two robberies. But he won the last one in my opinion. Um, yeah, the reason I, I, I went off of him is he, he's so stiff. It's like... It's like something's up his ass crack. Like <laughs> he moves really stiff, like just like really stiffly. His arms are really wide, kind of just letting himself get punched a lot. Kiara saying height was an advantage for Kevin Kroom this week. Oh yeah, I mean sometimes nothing matters, right? <laughs> he got bum rushed, got rocked behind the ear, and knocked down. I wish we could see that fight play out a few more times, but I don't think anyone ever wants to see that rematch, so I don't think we will. <laughs> But, <clears throat> yeah, I think that Raush's problem is that he his hands are very wide. His head doesn't move enough, and he's hittable. He's very hittable, very flat-footed, Muay Thai kind of style, right? His 1-2 down the pipe when he throws it is sick. He he started that way against um, in his title fight, and it, it was landing all day. When he threw it against Collard, it landed. When he threw it against Pettis, it landed. My thing is he's very dependent on hooks otherwise. He's not throwing a lot of straight punches. He likes that right hand, a little bit of a laser beam right hand. He kind of like loads it up, kind of like uh, Alenik does. You know, he loads up that right hand. I do think he can crowd match. He's got really good uh, forward pressure. He cuts the cage well. He does good work there. But match is a striker by trade too. And he, he knows what he's doing on the feet. And the thing with him is he, he can grapple as well. We saw that in his last fight. Um, he was getting out grappled at first by that guy, Nate. And he ended up submitting him himself, I think, with the rear naked. which was, And the way he did it was pretty impressive, too. And in the UFC, we also saw him against Farazim, you know, possibly one of the most boring UFC fights of all time up there with, uh, with, up there with Lewis and Naganu. But... It did show that he can nullify a really good striker. Um, he felt that Farazim was going to give him an issue on the feet. So he crowded him. He had him against a fence the entire time. And he, he won the fight. That's all you need. That's all we need. We don't care how he wins. We just need him to win. So I ended up going with Don Madge here. I think he's got more methods of victory. And I think that he's going to have the better slicker striking. But I'm a little nervous because... I. I like Manfio. I think he's good. Um, I went into this wanting to bet him. I just feel like Madge probably has the advantages here. Um, I do wish I got Madge at the, at those underdog odds. That would have been sweet. But he has been demolished since. He's minus 175 now. And I see some money's coming back on Raush. Raush plus 150. That's not a bad look. I just... I don't know. I ended up going with... Uh, <coughs> I ended up going with Don Maj, and I, I have him parlayed, I think. Yeah, I have him parlayed with Antonio Carlos Jr. for minus 121 units for, I mean, <laughs> minus 121 for a half unit. And then I have Madge 
minus 155 for another half unit. So I just wanted a unit stake and nothing more there. All right. Who else we got? So Antonio Carlos Jr. versus Delon Monte. I'm not really going to go into this. Junior's got th uh, two inches of height on him. He does have a reach advantage. I just don't know how much, but I know that <laughs> Monte does not have a 79-inch reach. Um, I watched the tape on Don Monte. He's not good. His thing is grappling, and he's not going to grapple Antonio Carlos Jr. So there isn't, really isn't much to talk about. And on the feet, ACJ is going to spark him. So I do have Antonio Carlos Jr., and I have two parlays with them. Uh, this next one, Schultz versus OB OAM. I have uh, OAM for this one. Uh, he does have the size advantage uh, in terms of reach at least. Um, let's see. Schultz training out of the better camp, American top team. But I don't know. I, I like the striking work of OAM better. I think that his counter wrestling is really good. I think he should be able to keep this on the feet. And I think that on the feet he's better than Schultz. Schultz a wrestler. Um and I, I think that OAM should be okay against him and should pick up that W. I got him at good odds, too. I got him at um, minus 130 for two units. I think he's steeper now. He's like, what is it? Minus 170. Sheesh, Luis. Then you got Emiliano Sordi versus Corey Hendricks. I haven't broken this one down, actually. I was going to, and then I ran out of time before we started this stream. Um. Let's see. Alex Martinez, Stevie Ray. This one I did break down, and I'm currently still waiting for the line to settle. I want to see where it's going to settle at because if I can get Martinez at a better line, I will. I am betting Alex. I already have him parlayed with ACJ, but I'm also interested in playing him money line. Um, I think he's better than Stevie everywhere. He's better on the feet, I think. He's got the slicker, straighter, faster striking. And I think the grappling advantage goes to him easy. I mean, we saw Stevie get stuck under uh, Elon Patrick for an entire 15 rounds. So 15 rounds, 15 minutes. And then let's see. I haven't gotten to break Martin Hamlet down. and But I do know that his opponent hasn't fought since like 2016. So who knows how that's going to go. This is an interesting one. Omari Akhmedal versus Victor Pesta. Uh, Pesta's a real light heavyweight. Fought in the UFC at heavyweight. He's six foot four. He's got a seventy seven inch reach, so he's got six inch reach over Akhmedov. And Akhmedov's got terrible cardio. That's how he lost to a guy who he should have beaten in his last fight against Jordan. Look <clears throat> I think that Pesta should win because of the size. But he's also nothing to write home about. His striking's not like top notch. He's not a top notch grappler either. He's just a really big man. And I feel like Akhmedov, you know, if he can get him against the fence, he should be able to do some good work. But I don't know. I just feel like it's such a risky spot. That's why I I, I went into it thinking I was going to bet Pesto. That came out of it where I don't think I'm going to bet Pesto anymore. You know, I'm still a little tempted. It's just I'm not sure I see an angle. Not, not that I don't see an angle. I see the angle. I'm just... I'm worried about Akhmedov pulling up the upset. I'm worried about him keeping it against the cage, grounding Pesta. I just, I'm not sure. But now that I'm talking about him, looking at the size, it's like, is he really going to be able to do that, though? Maybe I'll add a unit on Pesta. We're going to have to see. <laughs> Maybe I'll rewatch the tape in a sec after this. That could be fun. And then Rob Wilkinson versus Bruce Soto. Um, 
have I have Wilkinson here. The line has blown the fuck up since it since I've last seen it. I know I got Wilkinson at like minus what one fifty one seventy. I got him at, and I hated that number because I know that he opened as a dog. I think yeah, he opened as a dog, and whoever got him as a dog is sharp as fuck. But the line dropped uh, a few days ago, and it's been dropping since. And he's now minus 200, which is crazy. But, you know, it makes sense. Soto's really not that good. He got a lucky knockout in his last fight on the PFL Challenger Series. The other guy was winning up until then, Travis Davis. I actually had money on Davis. And Wilkinson, look, Wilkinson is way bigger. He's got a 10-inch reach advantage for, what is that, 5? No, 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 three. What is that, 7-inch reach advantage? I mean, height advantage? He's two years younger. He's a better wrestler, and I think he's got the better striking as well. And I So I do have Wilkinson winning that fight, but I, I don't have much staked on him. I have literally just one unit, and that's it. I was considering going the full 1.7, but I don't know. I, I, I wasn't feeling it, so that's that. Kiarik saying the lines not being minus 2,000 indicate this card will actually be live. Yeah, I can't believe that that was even a thing that they tried to say it wasn't. That it, they tried to say it was live when it wasn't. That was crazy. Um, what 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 an error. <laughs> but that's what happens on the regionals, I guess. But yeah, so we have a bunch of other fight organizations this week. I'll try to put out some Bellator picks by tomorrow. Maybe even tonight I should have a few. I, I have a few that I'm leaning. I already have a few played. Um, I've already played Danny Sabatello at minus 205. And I parlayed him with Dante Shiro for a half unit as well. Um, my read on that is just that nothing too strong. It's just that Sabatello is annoyingly good at grappling. He's extremely boring. But I don't care as long as he wins. He Grapple fucks. He was able to do it to Brett Johns. I think he's going to be, be able to do it to his opponent here as well. And yeah, that's it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank